Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President and leader of the Embedded Computing Design franchise, here for this week's Embedded Executive podcast. This week, my Embedded Executive is Mark Himmelstein. He is the CTO of Risk Five. Hello, Mark. How you doing, Rich? I'm doing great, thank you very much. So first question, is it weird that an association has a CTO? Uh, not at all. Uh, we really have a very technical community. And I think uh, Callista Redmond, who you know, became the CEO a couple of years ago, uh, analyzed this fairly quickly and said she needed a partner to uh, drive this side of it. And so um, I, I think it makes sense. I think it's been a, a very profitable experience for both uh, me and for the community. So what does a CTO of an association do, or a CTO of Risk Five specifically do? I, I think it's the same as a CTO of, of anything, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, you, you have to take a look at the uh, at, at both the, the broader strategies and direction and roadmaps and make sure that we're attacking the, the technologies and, and the, uh, uh, the parts of the ISA that are important to our community, the ecosystem software ecosystems important to our community, but also um, helping them uh, govern the, the, uh, the, the uh, ratification of extensions and completion of the ecosystem needed to support those. Uh, without that kind of coordination as somebody who's done this technical work. So I've done both managerial stuff and I've been uh, you know, a te technologist. I ran Solaris for Sun. Um, I was a, a founder at a, at a big uh, uh, data uh, appliance uh, company. And so I've, you know, I've done both of those things and I think that uh, both those skills come to bear. Okay, you mentioned ecosystem, hold that thought because that's one of my favorite subjects. I'm gonna come back to that. But what are some of the projects you're working on today? Uh, good question. So uh, one of the biggest things that we're doing is uh, we started a bunch of, of extensions in uh, 2020 because the initial stuff was ratified in 2019. And some of those extensions in 2020 were so big that they're still not finished. And so one of the big things is trying to get those over the finish line. And so, you know, the, the big guys are, are things like vector, uh, bit manipulation, uh, and crypto scalar. So those are three of the big things that are going on. Uh, but also, We've expanded the number of groups from about 10 to 40 that since I've been there since of what we're working on. And so for example, for your audience, we have uh, five or six groups that are really dedicated to embedded uh, targets and, and what embedded needs. And so that's very exciting. And then finally, we are uh, coalescing a set of extensions uh, and stamping them uh, with, with both their target audience as well as the year that they, they, they uh, were ratified. So just like you have something like you know, RV7 or RV8, so we're going to have RVA20, RVM20. So RVA20 is goes to the application world, so things running on Linux. RVM is more microcontroller, so bare bones, small RFOS uh, kind of world, embedded kind of world. Um, and uh, the, the 20 stands for 2020. And, and so those are all the things ratified before 2020. Uh, and right now we're working on RBA and M22. And so this is the first time for us that we're going ahead and doing a top down. This is what we want this year. And uh, you know, a lot of the stuff is stuff that's been in flight, but it marks a seed change for the organization of uh, trying to, to do some top down roadmap and as you probably know, and your readers or your listeners probably know, you got to do both top down and bottoms up. And, and uh, the community mostly did bottoms up, and now we're doing both. 
Okay. So in terms of uh, pretty much everything, like the ecosystem, the product launches and all that stuff, are we on schedule, ahead of schedule, behind schedule? And I say we, I mean you. Uh, well, uh, from a, uh, an ISA specification and from a software ecosystem perspective, we, we never really had um, some you know, clear uh, uh, goals and targets on projected dates, and we have them now. And uh, we're still learning as a community how to get things over the goal line. Like, what does it mean to be done? Like, what, when have you finished everything you need to do to get ratified? And so it includes a lot of this ecosystem stuff, compilers or architectural tests or things like that. So uh, from that perspective, I'd say we're on track from a yearly perspective for 2021 to move a bunch of these things forward that we intend to get ratified and announced by our big conference in December, our, our RISC-V summit. Um, from a, you know, just a day-to-day uh, process perspective, we're still learning. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a constant learning experience. It's a very big community. Uh, there's probably about 1,800 subscribers to our technical groups, probably about 200 people are regulars and probably about 30 or 40 leaders. So uh, we're all working together to make this uh, something that, that, uh, that works. And we're a new experiment. I mean, we're the first really open source chip of this magnitude to be created and developed and, and pushed forward in open source. From a product perspective, that you got to go talk to our member companies as to their their plans. But most of the the, the um, schedules and stuff around deploying RISC V have more to do with the runway of the product than they do with RISC V. So, for example, if you're doing a disk drive, it's typically about a year and a half. If you do a, a car and automotive thing, it's probably three years. Servers can be as much as five years. The IoT stuff is really small and therefore it can go out quickly. It's targeted applications, it's not general purpose computing. And you see those coming out today. I mean, I just saw last week, uh, Pine64 released a uh, soldering iron with a RISC-V chip on it, amazing. That's pretty cool, interesting. So let's go back to the ecosystem. Uh, are, are all the parts there for a developer or are, are there still some gaps that need to be filled in? There's absolutely gaps. And one of the reasons they hired me is because I'm a software guy. And, you know, I've, I've worked in ISA, I was employees, you know, 45 in this. So I've, I've worked down the bottom and I've worked in applications. Um, and so uh, I run the gamut. And so I've done the gap analysis and we have a great team, an incredible team of people filling those pieces in. And some of the pieces still need to be filled in, like, you know, runtimes. We're working on, you know, AI and ML runtimes, you know, for, for the bottom as well as the top, because you know, little AI, little ML are being done and embedded. Um, we also have various pieces that we, you know, basically laid down the law and said, look, before you get ratified, you have to have these things done. And most of the folks who've been involved with this have been architects, uh, not really developers, and developers are the ones who usually do it in corporations. So we've developed this new model with uh, technical lab partners, and we have uh, three of them right now, a couple more on deck. Uh, big institutes that have both students and professionals and professors, and they've taken on big chunks of things like architectural tests or the formal model. And so we're filling those in. Um, uh, it, it would be unfair, uh, untrue to say that there aren't gaps because there are, uh, mm -hmm. but we are working on them. Is it difficult that you're so beholden to the vendors in that, like, for example, you, you're developing the IP, but it's the guy who actually produces the tools who's got to take that IP and make a product out of it. And if he chooses not to do that, you're sort of left with, hey, what are we going to do? 
hey, the, the great news is we didn't groundbreak this model. The, this was done by Linux in the 90s and they had the same kind of questions. And uh, you've seen what's, what's happened. Um, there's a lot of private ownership in the community. There's a lot of feeling that, that people have control of their own destiny. And because of that, um, we see no end in sight. I mean, it's, it's amazing uh, who is uh, building RISC-V cores into uh, complex products that may have other processors or who's you know, producing general purpose computers or uh, you know, specific things for embedded. So um, no, it's not hard at all. I mean, the biggest thing that we try to do is enable them to be successful. Uh, I have a sort of a bumper sticker statement that says, don't duplicate, innovate, right? And, and that's what the community allows us to do. So you think Linux will be successful someday, you're saying? Linux? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, in the 90s, it was like, uh, you're gonna risk your job and take Linux instead of AIX or Solaris or something. Uh, and, and now it's like, you're not doing Linux, you know? So we, we really look at ourselves as, as forging the same ground with open source hardware. Okay, we're almost out of time. So uh, I'll, I'll close with, um, what's the next big thing on your radar that our viewers, listeners, readers can look forward to? Uh, I, again, I think I, I opened the, uh, the conversation with that. We have a lot of stuff on deck for 2021 and um, they should be looking for those things to be ratified. Uh, people are already designing those extensions into their products or have released early versions in their products. And uh, that's gonna be very exciting because a couple of them are really uh, very novel. I mean, a lot of the stuff we did was, you know, stuff that's been in prior art for a long time. I mean, we did the manipulation, do addition, subtraction, but our vector implementation and our crypto scalar implementations, they're worth taking a look at because they have some significant uh, advantages. So CryptoScaler was was at least partially designed for embedded because um, you can't afford a big vector unit to do crypto in an embedded uh, processor. So this gentleman from Bristol, uh, uh, you know, Bristol um, uh, and Marshall uh, proposed us doing a, a scalar version of it. And so for an AES-128 uh, you know, crypto, it normally take over a thousand instructions. Crypto scalar brings it down to 75. Crypto vector brings it down to one, but the cost benefit trade-off means that a lot of the embedded people are gonna go ahead and use the uh, crypto scalar. So we're very excited about this. Awesome. Thank you very much, Mark. This has been very enlightening. Great, thank you. That was Mark Kemmelstein. He is the CTO of Risk 5 and I am Rich Nass with Open Systems Media.